<coughs> Welcome everyone. Hold everyone's here. Um, the obvious thing to speak about on Pasha Shalach would be the Miraglim. And uh, we're not going to totally avoid the topic. We will discuss the Miraglim. But I don't want to discuss tonight the how could it be, at least not in the beginning, how could it be that such great people can do something like the Maisa Miraglim? I want to focus on the end of the story. In Paragudalid Posik Men, so the Chumish tells us about Klaisol's response to f- seeing the anger that they had caused in Hashem with the with their with their response to the Miraglim. Klaisol had reacted with a very strong reaction. They sat down and cried. They felt doomed by the need to go into Israel. And um, clearly, uh, they did not see this as a rejection of Hashem. Um, they, they felt, for whatever the cheshben is, that this was a, a, an, acceptable, an acceptable way of, of dealing with the issue of Eretz Yisrael, and that this is something that Hashem would be okay with. And when they saw Hashem's response, the first, his desire to completely destroy them. And even after a lengthy process of Moshe Dabney for them and averting that disaster, but a permanent decree of not going into Tertesol, not being allowed in Tertesol, 40 years wandering in the Midbar until they all die, and it's only going to be the next door. So Yisrael, um took the Musr, and they understood that they had done something not just wrong, but something very wrong. And rather than what is often the response that people have to being given a, a, a complete shift in thinking that I'm justified, to realizing that not only am I justified, not justified, but I've done something very wrong, the, the response of most people is to go into defensive mode and to say, no, it's different, no, you didn't understand, no, some, something else. It's not so. And Klaisol does not respond that way when they're told by Moshe Rabbeinu about how Hashem has reacted to their chath, so they immediately do an about face. And they don't just say, no, we still think that Erzo is terrible, but we're willing to go if Hashem says so. They manage become passionately focused on getting into Eretz Yisrael, and to the point that they're not even willing to listen to Moshe Rabbeinu when he tells them not to. And the verse says, They woke up first thing in the morning. They admitted Did no qualifications on it. Not it was because, not it's the Muradim's fault. We sinned. And they understood that they had done something wrong. And there were all the aspects of Tshuva are here. They did vidu v'peh, aziva sachet, kabol al They're ready to go in. And Moshe Rabbeinu, instead of saying, wow, this is beautiful. This is why you're Klal Yisrael. Because anyone else would have, you know, come up with excuses. And you accept blame and change. Moshe Rabbeinu tells them, don't go. You cannot go. Hashem is not going to be with you. And they didn't listen to him, and they were killed. The kasha that I want to focus on tonight is, 
What's pshat that after their tshuva, which seems to be a complete tshuva, it seems to fit all the qualifications of tshuva, why wasn't it effective in reversing the decree not to go into Eretz Yisrael? Is Dr. Midos correct that you can do tshuva and you can always do tshuva and it's never too late? And, or is it sometimes too late? What, what's happening in this story? So, before, uh, the first approach that I want to share is the, the Archaim. The Archaim says that the tshuva was lacking. And the point that he, he makes is they, they, uh, they did feel harata over the Avera, but the harata was over the fact that they had forfeited the right to Eretz Yisrael. Now, having been set straight that Eretz is wonderful, and Eretz is desirable, and Eretz is the place to be, and Hashem would be with you, and that you have given that all up. They said, Yoy, what did we do? We gave up Eretz Yisrael. And they said, that's terrible. And they had an emesicharota and a kabbalah osid not to give up Eretz to yearn for Eretz to want Eretz that's all beautiful. But the Iker of the and the Iker problem of the Chet is not that you lost Eretz Yisrael. The Iker problem with the Chet is that you lost Hashem. That you made a Merida against Hashem. Hashem told you that it's going to be good, and you acted as if that, for whatever your Cheshbonis were, but you acted as if that guarantee wasn't enough, as if that guarantee doesn't guarantee anything. And that's what Klaiso had Kharoto on. Having Kharoto on losing Olam Haba, having Kharoto on getting Gehenna is, is a Kharoto, and it's certainly something that should spur a person to begin the path of Kharoto. But the Iker of what Shuva is, the Iker Kharoto that a person has to have when they do Shuva is the Kharoto on what they did to their relationship to Hashem and to the chutzpah that they had to, to act that way towards Hashem, irrespective of whether you're interested in having a relationship or not. How can you do that to the creator of the world, the one who gives you everything you have, the one who gives you the breath of life? How could you not have, have cared about what he says more? And that's the ikr charot that a person has to have. Very often, um, people who have, certainly people who have gone far down the road of Avera, will do a tshuva that's based upon a harata of the mess that they've made of their life. And even if it's not so extreme, but if a person has, you know, let's say, um, said some, a nose dvarim, said something very hurtful to a friend, to not a friend, to a classmate, to a spouse, to a child, parent, often the harata will be about the pain that they cause to that person. Which is an emissa part of what a person has to be mitzchayet over. That certainly is the that is the the ma'isa is causing that pain, and a person has to have charoto that they did that ma'isa. But the motivation for the charoto, why do I have to worry about the fact that I caused pain? The underlying thing of that is because Hashem said not to do it, and I didn't listen. I didn't listen to what Hashem said. Right when Yeshayahu uh, um, um, was killed for having not listened to the Navi and, and gone out to fight against the Mitzrayim, so he could have had Harata that he ended up dead because of it. 
But that wasn't his charata. His charata was that he had gone against the word of Hashem. Yes, it had a negative repercussion. That's how he was able to tell that he had done something wrong, is that he got killed. But his ikr charata was that he had gone against Hashem. If you look in, in Shire Shuva, the Rabbi Yonah puts well ahead of worry about and knowledge about how bad the Avera is and what the punishments are for the Avera is what he calls chlima, that a person has to feel an intense embarrassment towards Hashem about what he did and what he did by not listening to Hashem and what he did to his relationship with Hashem and the way he spurned that relationship. Even within talking about worrying about the Avera itself and the punishment, Rabbi Yonah seems to say that if it's just a barometer to tell you how bad a Merida was, that the things that the Torah punishes worse are considered to be a more severe Merida against Hashem. The person should therefore write feel worse about it. But it's all about, the Iker Charata has to be about what we did towards Hashem. And we have to remember this when it comes to the Tshuva, that that has to be our job. And so too, certainly when doing mitzvahs. Uh, although a person is allowed to do mitzvah shalai l'shema, and a person is allowed to do mitzvah for elam haba, it's not even fully called shalai l'shema, and certainly even for lesser reasons than that, a person is allowed to do mitzvahs. But a person should be striving to do their mitzvahs for the purpose of connecting to Hashem, and for the purpose of building a relationship with Hashem, and for acting correctly towards Hashem who has given us so much, the basic akar satayv that a person has to have. So that's the approach of the Arachai, is that the tshuva wasn't accepted because the truth wasn't a proper truth. Now Bessler Mikomeo gives uh, really it's it's in Chelak Hay and it's it's written there very short. They're, they put out two volumes afterwards of Mikhtavan that they have, Rukhaim Friedland who wrote up the shear, the same shear, if you look at the bottom it's the same shear. But he wrote up more by Rikha, so if you want to see it that's the place to look at it. And Rabdasl says a tremendous Yisoid, when you first hear it it sounds like he's knocking out half of tshuva, half of the power of what tshuva does. So we want to just make sure we'll be clear that that's not what he's doing, but, but to understand properly how tshuva works, what it accomplishes and what it doesn't accomplish. We have a concept that says, In the place where Bali tshuva stand, so even sadikim gemurim can't stand there. And the reason given is because the Rishoyim have been toyim tamchet. Uh, a tzaddik who's never experienced the gishmak of whatever iser it is that he's staying away from. So you can imagine that there must be something gishmak. There's a certain um, yetzahar that's built into having never experienced it. Uh, there's a certain sense that the sizzle is better than the steak. And, you know, just looking at the aver from afar, sometimes, in fact, not sometimes, always is uh, has a certain element that it's more geschmack than actually engaging the other. But, when a person does not have experience to fall back on, so they could say, oh, look, I never did it. It's not I never did it. There's a psychological barrier to doing it, and there's, a, again, there, there's a certain lack of experience element. The Yitzhara can't use your experience to get the person to do it. By Balchuva, although they're now seeking to become better, but they know what they're leaving behind. And therefore, that has a, creates a certain pull. It's difficult for them. It's more difficult than the job of a tzaddik. And therefore, they reach a higher level of a certain 
way of looking at it, they reach a higher level than a tzaddik does. The problem is similar to the same question we just asked. This person is a Balchuva, that's how Chazal are referring to him, a Balchuva. He's apparently a Balchuva, such a good Balchuva, that he's reached a level that's higher than Tzadikim. That means he's back to the level of being a Tzadik, but he has the additional mile of being a Balchuva. If that is so, why hasn't it taken care of the problem of Toyn Tanchet? At some point in this process of doing Tshuva, why doesn't that get erased? And it should be that he's clean like a newborn baby. And he forgets the experiences of the Avera. They no longer pull him. It seems that even on the level of a, of a Tzadik Baal Tshuva, there's still a pull of Tayin Tamchet. So that means that the is not doing what is supposed to do. He's not clean. He's not the white tablecloth with no stain on it, the unscratched brand new car. He's a dented car. Para, 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 para down the street. Yeah, nice. Good job. You're doing great for yourself. But what happened to this? The, the, what Shuva does is scrubs everything clean. Perfect. Like never did the head in the first place. Seems that something is missing. For those who are by the Derech Hashem share, so we just finished learning that by Adam Rishon, when Adam Rishon ate from the Eitzadas, so it's the same thing happened. He... He was kicked out of Ganeidim. He brought, Mamish brought the whole world down. He brought himself down. He introduced a tremendous amount of chumris, of physicality, and a pull of physicality into this world. And the physical became more, it pulled stronger, it was harder to escape its grasp than it had been previously. His very, his own self became, instead of being an ashama, that works with a body. He became a neshama in a body, mostly a body. And that's how he viewed himself. And therefore he's out of the level called Ganeidim, put into this world. Interacting with in a way similar to the way that we interact with it. So Ramchal writes in Derech Hashem, he says that aside from the fact that obviously now the job is much harder because you're fighting against a stronger pull, and because you have to get back to the original level and then still do whatever other Rishon had to do. He said, from all that, he says, that it would not be possible to fix the problem without dying first. And that no matter how hard man strives, he cannot raise himself to the level of other Rishon before he dies. And there has to be a separation of the Shema from the Go. Other Rishon did a massive tshuva for 130 years. He was doing tshuva after the chet. He was other Mauritian. He had done lamaisa, as important a thing as it was, there was one thing wrong. And his entire focus for the rest of his life was on fixing that problem. Why was he unable to fix it? And not only he, but throughout human history, we have been unable to fix the problem that Adam Rishon made. Again, what's with Shuva? So if Desler says he saw it like this, he says that Shuva completely removes the stain of an Aver. At least um, if a person is not choyzer to his Avera, then Shuva also completely removes the Tintam Halei that a person has, the, the detachment from his neshama that a person gets from an Avera. 
In the when a person does an Avera, they pollute the entire world, the entire upper world. That gets fixed when a person does true. He says, but there's one aspect of an Avera that doesn't get fixed with you. And that is the increase in the pull of Ra in the world that is caused by an Avera. When a person does an Avera, certainly a big one, but even a small one, they make it that they become more evil, the world becomes a more, let's call it physical, if you don't want to use the word evil, they become more about this world, they become more about their pleasure, about their type, about doing what they want, and the world becomes more that way. And the world becomes a place that ensnares people. It becomes quicksand that becomes impossible to get out of. And that happens every time a person does an Avera. And even when a person does tshuva, the added space that has been given to the Yitzhahara, the new shlita that the Yitzhahara has, the new bylaws that he has in the world, he's been given the keys to the house, and now he's in. Tshuva doesn't get him back out. It makes you back to the way you were before him. It makes your neshama whole. It certainly cleans you off so that you don't have to deal with Gehenna, that when you get to Olam Haba, you'll be connected to Hashem without a problem. But evil has been given a foothold, and he's not letting go. If we could think about it, again, it has deeper ramifications too, but if we just want to think about it at a level that's easier for us to understand, so certainly if a person creates a bad habit for themselves, person does some of their over and over and over again, it becomes a habit. If someone uh, bites their nails on shop, you know, they bite, their, they bite their nails all the time. So they bite their nails on Shabbos too, which you know how to do. So a person mamish feels terrible about it. And they do tshuva, so that's not going to make the habit suddenly disappear. The physical habit, the Avera can get cleaned off, the Tintamalev can get cleaned off, the Stein on the Neshama can get cleaned off, the Kilkul of the Alyon can get cleaned off, but the habit that the person has, you know, the Dainu, that a certain negative behavior has taken hold of their body and sort of runs on autopilot, that's not going away. It's not going away from Tshuva. Tshuva doesn't make that go away. Similarly, the psychological effects of Avera, we know that if a person does Avera twice, so it's Nasalei Kehete, the, the inhibition that people have the difficulty that people have of doing something that they know is wrong disappears. And it becomes something that somehow in their head became mutter. Just because a person does tshuva does not make it come back to as if it's he never did the avera, psychologically. Lomaisa by him, he's still turned tamchet. And he's still, the memory doesn't get erased. The fact that he knows that he can do it doesn't get erased. Is there no way to erase such a thing? There is a way. But it's not through tshuva. The only way to do it is through a paradigm shift. That means the person has to change, not just regret. They have to ch- completely change the way they look at something. For example, um, if a person had a habit of biting their fingernails, and they would one day find out that, you know, fingernail, or someone would show them in very great detail all the... Uh, germs that are underneath your, fem- your fingernails. And they would look and they, they would see them like little bugs crawling around and they would be so grossed out at the thought of doing it 
so the, the, the it possibly the habit would stop on its own because it's no longer a fingernail. It has become something else. It's become a, a, a garden full of bugs and that he doesn't have a habit of eating that. When a person dies, what's happening? Why does that fix the problem of Adam Arishan? Because when Adam Arishan ate from the Etzidah, so a shift happened, a mental shift happened, that he went from being an Hashem to being a goof. Like we've discussed now a few times, when a person watches their body decompose as after it dies, so it shifts the mind back, and it can no longer think of itself as a body as it's watching it being eaten by worms. So that create that fixes the problem that other Mauritian created. But lacking that, when Klai Yisrael wanted to run up to back into Eretz Yisrael, they understood that Eretz Yisrael is now desirable. They, they, they felt bad for what they had done. But what was required was that whole dart to die out and another dart who had grown up their entire life yearning to go into Israel, Israel, seeing it as the spitz of what a person could hope for in life. That's the shift that fixes the head. Zogdor Daslan, what's with us? What's our matzah? We've had the Chet of Adam Rishon, which hasn't gone away. The Dor HaMabol did a Chet, which led to the eating of meat that hasn't gone away. The ego hasn't gone away. There's been an accumulation of Ra. Not necessarily the punishment of Ra. Every Yom Kippur we get cleaned off from all those Averis. And there's never more than one year's accumulation of Averis, plus certain things that need, a few loose ends that need to be tied up. But what there is an accumulation that has been accumulating now for since the world was created is that the Yitzhahara gets a more and a more of a foothold in the world. And more and more things become Nasa like Hefta. Everything's allowed now. Everything that's Kaddish is considered in the world to be terrible. Everything that's terrible is considered to be Kaddish. And we live in a world that's so the opposite of every heritage that we're supposed to have, every feeling that we're supposed to have. What are we supposed to do? So we have to realize that what that does for us is that makes us the Baalei Tshuva. We have the din of the Mokim She'e Baalei Tshuva Oindim Ein Tzadikim Gemur Miyafel The fact that there's this much Ra in the world is not our, that's not a time on us. We didn't, we didn't put it there. It's been accumulating for years. We just have to deal with it. And a person has to understand that just like when Adam ate from the Eitz Adas, and he created this, the world that we live in, but that's the that's all our Avayis Hashem happens within that world. Every time we struggle and are victorious against physicality, every time the Yitzhak tells us to do something and we don't do it, and we achieve greatness, it's happening within that fallen world of Adam Rishon. So too we have to realize that just like a Balchuva ends up going higher, he has this problem of time, time, ten, doesn't go away. But because he struggles against it, it becomes his key to greatness. And it leads him to a place that's higher than the place of Sadiqin. So we have to realize that although we have a tremendous struggle, although we're fighting against tremendous headwinds, although our accomplishments obviously on, the, on a raw scale, objectively, are going to be much less because of what we're fighting against. But we have to understand that what that means is 
that Hashem, understanding what we're fighting against, realizing that that's not our fault, that that gives us a tremendous smile, and that every act that a person does that's the correct type, every time, to a smaller or lesser, bigger or lesser extent, that we fight against all that has accumulated in the world, all the pollution that has accumulated, and seek to do the right thing, so it is precious in a way that cannot be imagined. Lagabe the Miraglim themselves. Again, without completely going into what they were thinking, Rabelsky gives a, an analysis of the development of what went wrong. Seen, there are many indications. Did the problem start as soon as they were sent? Did the problem start later? Were they the shroshim of the problem before, but then it's, it actually came out later? So the way he says it is as follows. He says, if you look at the Pesukim and Pashas Devarim, that where Moshe describes the Mice of Raglam again, so he says, the original claim that Klai Yisrael made was that they need to scout out Eretz Yisrael because they have to know how to come into the land. He said, Vada, you could believe that you'll be victorious and you could believe that, 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 that it's the most wonderful place in the world. But you have to know when you get to the corner, do you go right or do you go left? The pillar of fire was not going to be with them anymore. That left with Moshe there. And they were going to have to find their way Which way to Yerichai is not necessarily going to get answered correctly when you're the invading army. So you have to push it just know where the signs are. That seemed to be what they were asking. And that was a valid um, request. And Moshe was going to send people to check out that information. To plan out a route, Pasha to come in, maybe we could, a place that we could make a camp first before we start attacking. But Moshe understood that as they go scouting through Eretz Yisrael, they are going to see things. And he understood that there was a right way to see them and a wrong way to see them. Moshe Rabbeinu understood that you're going to see giants. One way to see that is that we have a problem. How are we going to beat these people? Another way to see this, Hashem will take care of that. But what do I, if I stay from them, oh, okay, thank you. I understand from this that the land is able to produce extremely healthy, strong people. I don't have to worry about those healthy, strong people. Hashem will take care of that. But do you understand? It's it's Gazat. When you come in and you see massively populated cities, so you could say, how oh no, look at what they the amount of manpower they will muster against us. But if you come with Bitachon, so then you know that's not an issue. It's not something you have to worry about. What you do realize the land must produce enough food, have enough water that's able to support gigantic populations. What a wonderful thing. When you come in and see Oris Patsuroi's Bashamayim. There's a wall that just goes up to the Shemayim wall. And you're stumbling back trying to see the top of it. So some might say, how are we going to conquer that? Ah, Hashem could make it sink to the ground, tip over, fly up. I don't know. We'll take care of that. But what it means is the people must be terrified that we're coming. Who needs such big walls? They're going to be easy to conquer. There was a right way to see everything, and there was a wrong way to see everything. So Moshe Rabbeinu told them the right way. Look at the Rashi's, he pointed out to them each way, thing that you could make a mistake on and the correct way to see it. But Moshe Rabbeinu took one more step. He understood that when there are two ways to see something, 
So there are some people who are going to be the opinion makers. They're going to voice their opinion loud and clear about how we see this. What do we think about this? And then all the sheeple, all the regular Hamoidan people who just follow what everyone else says, will nod their heads and say, right, yeah, that's the way it is. So Moshe Rabbeinu made sure to take leaders. Mehechitesi, that the greatest people in Christ are going to make good spies. You have uh, these rubbish looking people coming in. Uh, okay, they don't even have the Gabon with them, so they don't, I don't know if they know what to do even. How to get out of the car, in the car, right? They're, walk, they're coming in Langabard, filling Shepherdoish, learning Mistan half the time, hacking and things. Everyone's all forgetting that they're in, uh, on a mission and getting caught up in a Toysvist. And whatever it is, or whatever they were doing, the Miraglim, they would look like Yadayim when they were Miraglim. And, and that's who you said. But Moshe understood that these are the opinion makers in Kvalyasov. These are the people who, if they come back and they say, look, look at this gigantic grape, but let's tell you how to stay the gigantic grape. You know what this represents? So Kvalyasov will listen to them. Moshe was charging them to be leaders. You have charisma. You have something that makes people listen to you. So now... Is your time to use it. Go ahead and lead. The people are at a process drachim. They're capable of looking at the information this way or that way. Show them, lead them to the correct way to interpret it. The problem was that having been dubbed leaders, the Miraglin took it upon themselves to say, well, if I'm a leader, that means I, I have... I'm, I'm so I'm a, I'm a shita here. So then let me let me let me look at this episode and see if I agree with Moshe Rabbeinu's interpretation. Mehechi tasty, I hold Moshe Rabbeinu's right. After all, I got smicha from Moshe Rabbeinu. He told me that I'm capable of seeing, that I'm capable of interpreting. So maybe I don't hold like his interpretation. And once they were open to deciding on their own. So then that was the beginning. Whatever else mixed in and caused them to interpret wrong, but that was the beginning of the problem. And indeed, they actually ended up doing the opposite. Because not only did they interpret everything they saw the wrong way and share that interpretation with Klai Yisrael and weaken the lave of Ha'am, but they even took things that there's really nothing wrong with, a gigantic grape. What's wrong with that? The grape is not attacking you. The grape is not being, they're not throwing grapes in self-defense. So what's wrong with the grape? What they said, just like the land is Mashunah, so too the people are Mashunah. Everyone's crazy there. It's a wacky place. And they took their ability to influence people. And not only did they not use it to lift the people up, but they used it to slut the people down. Things which Kleisel didn't even understand as a problem, they turned into a problem. Nagoski shows too, there's a medrash. The Medjur says that the, all the trees came to the Gefer and they said, we want to appoint you as our king. We want you to appoint you to lead over all the other trees. So the Gefer told them, shall I leave my, my Gedula, which is that I make Hashem and man happy. And the Gemara asks, how does that, the Gefer make Hashem happy? Because it's used for Yai Nesach. It's used on the Mizbeach. And I should go just wave over the trees? 
the Geffen understands this message. The Geffen understands that Gedula in Judaism doesn't mean the ability just to influence, to wave over others. One who has it has to wield it with a tremendous amount of respect for what it can do. He has to sense the responsibility to wield it correctly and to use it to bring people closer to Hashem, to be some mayach, to make Hashem happy with what he does. It is befitting that the Moraglin, what they brought back with them, was a gigantic grave. They did not take the lesson of the grave. But Chazal tell us that that grave, the grave they used back, was used to make, according to the Shita they hold, the Masachim in the, in the Mishkan, it was used to do the Masachim the entire time in the Midrash. Because that's the message that they should have taken from it. That your job is not to just be a king. Your job is not to be great. It's to use it wisely. I want to end with uh, I want to end with a few short verses. They all happen, it so happens to be have the Gewalder Echinach message. So for those of you who are Hegil Echinach, so then take the message. And for those of you who are giving Echinach, so it's also a good message. There's a Maestro, which for those who came, I think I said it in the Navi Shir on Shabbos, but it's good to hear again. It's cute, it's easy to say over on the Shabbos table. The, the, the Medrash tells us that Rashi brings it down, I think Rashi brings it down, that uh, at the beginning of the Pasha, when Moshe Davins for Pasha, so he adds a Yud to his name, and he calls him Yehoshua. And that Yud came from Sarah. She was originally named Sarai, and the Yud was taken off her name, she was given a hay, and the youth complained. He says, I used to be part of a tzaddik's name, Tadekas' name, what's with me now? Shem said, just wait. And he eventually became part of the name Yehoshua. So there's a Maisa, there was a shul that came up with, a, I, don't, I don't know if they came up with the chap or they just came up with afterwards. But they sold all the Mizrach seats for a hoin rab of money. And everyone, you know, who had the ability and the desire was very excited. And they paid a big amount of money and they went and they got the Mizrachman seat. And they were all excited to be sitting there until the next week or sometime later when they blew out the front wall of the shul, put another 10 rows in front and started selling the Mizrachman seats again. And the guys who had bought the Mizrachman said, excuse me, but that's our seat. We, we paid for the front wall. And the Gabon said, no, you paid for 10 rows from the back wall. That happened to be the front wall then. Now it's not. So, uh, um, obviously, everyone wanted to arrive at the truth. And um, they went to a dentite. And they took the dentite to Marshan. That's the Zayda of, of uh, Shal Shajon, the market. And he paskined that... They talk you their seats are 10 rows from the back. They are not the front wall seats. And he brought a raya from, from him. He said, what was the Yud's taina? The Yud had a taina. I used to be part of the name of Tzedekes. And now I'm not. So Hashem said, okay, I'm sticking to Yeshua. So now the Yud is walking around. Ah, happy. And the hey and the Shin, and the Vav, and the Ayin of Hashem, all come to Hashem, excuse me, I used to be number one in the Tzadik's name, says the hey. And now I'm number two. And everyone got bumped one seat back. Uh, hey, he says, I'm Mizrachman. I used to be the front of the name. So what happened? So why, why is that, how is Hashem making the youth happy and then making a bunch of other lads unhappy? So after Masham was that Zogin, that's not how you look at it. No one's the front letter. There's no such that called the front letter of the top of the name. It's how far are you from the back letter? 
And Lamaisa, when you stick a yud in front, every letter is still just as far from the end as it was before. And in the middle, no one can have tainas. So Hashem, the same thing here. It's how far are you from the back? And if there's now a new front, there's a new front, but you're just as far from the back as you were, and you can have no tainas. Well, I, I'm, I'm not paskening, and if there's any gabon of a shul, anyone involved in the new shul, so uh, don't, you know, you have to deal with it. Check it out. But... But um, it, it, there, there is an important point here, uh, which they got to say on, on the parish of the Kotzker said that the Ikra of the Chet of the Raglan is at the end of the telling over the story, they say, We were like grasshoppers in our eyes because we heard that that's how we were in their eyes. So they said a person's self, sense of self cannot be based on how he compares to other people. It can't be not where you are from the back and not where you're from the front. Ich bin ich, ich bin ich. It has to be that I am I because I am I. You have to know what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, what you need to grow in, what you're already good at. And if your entire self-definition is that I'm less than him and more than him, then you aren't a person. You're just a knot. You're one big knot. Not him, not him, not him, not him. If my definition of what my place is in this world is how far I'm from the back wall and how far I'm from the front wall, then I don't have a place. A person has to know where their mokim is. And as parents, children, you have to figure out what your place is. And as parents, that's part of our job as parents, is to give over to our children a sense of who they are. And we should be very careful to ever use comparative words. Why aren't you like so-and-so? Whether that's their own brother or whether that's someone else in the neighborhood or in the class, it's why don't you like yourself? I know that you can be better than this. I'm all you can use someone just as a guideline. You see what he does? Is that something that you feel you can do too? Is that maybe that's something you can do also? Just as a, uh, a as a, an example, but not as a machayev. Because he does it, you should be doing it too. Maybe yeah, maybe no. The reason why you should be doing this is because you can do it, and you know you can do it. And if you know you can't do it, then you can't do it. No reason to feel bad. Everyone's there. The second part is they, they asked what Lemaisa was wrong with what the Baraglan did. They reported what they were told to report. They were, they were sent on a mission, see what the land is like. And they came back, and they gave a factual report. They said the people are very tall, the walls are very big, the fruits are very large, they, everyone's dying all over the place. They said, what, they said things the way they are. So the Ramban says that the, there was one word that makes the whole problem, and that's the word ethos, which means but. They, they listed off, the land is like Hashem said, it's flowing with milk and honey, but the people are very big, the people are very tall. So that word makes, changes it from a factual report to an opinion. That means you are saying, although it has these milas, but these kisroinois outweigh those milas. That's no longer fact. That's your opinion of how the various factors should be weighed. And Zofir Ramban that's the other. You have no right to do that. Again, to apply to our lives, um, often a parent or a rabbi will say, you are a wonderful Talmud, but whatever the thing that has been done wrong at this time. That but, like Hazal tell us, Allah is Mavato Harishon. That means you really were a good Talmud at one point. However, now you have done this, and I don't know how to classify you anymore. 
You are a nice son. I thought you were mature, but it would be good to leave the but out. Instead, replace it with an and. You are a wonderful son, and you did this? Doesn't pass. It's a totally different statement. Instead of being mevat to what came before, it's mechaber to what came before. You're a wonderful son. You still are a wonderful son. I'm telling you you're a wonderful son. And you shouldn't do things like this. For all good, because of that reason. The feel is a completely different feel. I want to end off with one last word. Um, it's it's daibin. It's not for it's not from our experience, but it gives us a sense, both again, as the person who's becoming Mukhunat, as the child and as the parent, of what we're attempting to achieve when we do Khinuk. The Arizal says, we find in this week's parasha that Kalev of all the Shvatim, when running off to Marzah Pela to Daven for the success, and that Hashem should protect him and protect them, the success of their mission. Why was it about Kalev that made him have this response to a situation that he felt the need to run off and Daven in the middle? Zok de Arizal, that Kalev was a Gilgal of Eliezer and Avram. And if you remember the story in Pashtai Sarah, when Eliezer is trying to get a shidduch for, for Yitzchak, so it's kimat, it's almost to the point of being comical how often he interrupts to Daven. Literally every sentence he stops and says, Hashem should be Matlech, and Hashem made it Matlech, and Hashem, and Hashem, and Hashem, and Hashem, and he's constantly davening and bringing it back to Hashem. The Arizal says that the further Gilgal of Kalev was Ben Yehu Ben Yehuda. And if you look at the story right at the beginning of Sefer Malachim, when Adon Yehu was trying to rebel-ish against David Amal, certainly trying to get himself to be the next position, himself to be the next king, when Shlomo Amal was supposed to be the king. So they, there's a whole plan put into to effect by Nasser Anavi and Basheva and, and to get everyone involved and to get the king riled up, so he's going to appoint Shlomo right now. And Taha works, and David Amalek lays out the plan, and this is what I want done, and everyone's ready to go. And Ben stops the proceedings. I mean, David Sashem, that should be successful. The Chinuch that Avram gave Eliezer was that when a person is doing something, they need to daven that it should be successful. They need to daven before, they need to daven during, and they need to daven after. And he was mechanichim so deeply. It became such a part of who Eliezer was that it went into his next Gilgul and the next Gilgul after that. They used to say a story in Torah Vedalas, I saw they made a video of it recently, that, uh, uh, okay, that's a different story. But they used to say that Shlomo Haimu used to give shir very animated. They would scream and shout and pound the table. And one day it was a terrible snowstorm and only one bocher came to shir. And Shlomo got up to give shir and he gave the same shir, screaming, shouting, pounding the table. So the Bokher at some point said, Rebbe, I'm right here. I moved up from the back. I'm sitting in the front row. You don't have to shout. I hear you. So he said, you think I'm talking to you? I'm talking to you. I'm talking to your children. I'm talking to your children's children. That I'm giving you over the Torah, and it has to, I have to give it over in such a way that the fire of Torah that I give you burns brightly enough that your children see it. As though they used to have a zog. I'm going to patch you hard enough that your grandchildren feel it. I'm going to teach you so hard that your grandchildren feel the Eishatari that I give over. When we do Chinuch, that, uh, look, we're not Avram Avinu, 
But that's what we're trying to achieve. We don't just want to create a set of behaviors that our children follow when we're around, even when we're not around. We want it to become a part of who they are. And we need to make sure that what we're doing is chinuch. And that what we're doing is reaching the neshama and not just the actions. Mr. Shem, we should observe this.